the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We are fortunate to be alive at this moment in history. I can hear you. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. The truth is plain to see. If you want freedom, take pride in your country. If you want democracy, hold on to your sovereignty. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin of The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope everybody had a great holiday weekend. Great to be together. As always, it's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And uh, lots to cover, lots happening in the world. And uh, a busy week, a busy week. I'm on the road a little bit. Um, I've got a couple of different meetings. I will not be on Capitol Hill, uh, but I'll be around. But I'm looking forward to a an interview later this week with a documentary filmmaker. Uh, the documentary is called Gotham, and it's about the it's I think the subtitle is The Rise and Fall of New York. And it's about the 70s and 80s and into the 90s and the change of leadership and the whole approach to uh, to policing what was going on in the city of New York. And of course, it's a little bit personal for me because I did grow up in uh, in that area. I went to high school in Jersey City in 1984 to 1988. So I was aware of it. Uh, it was a mess uh, in New York and Jersey City, too. Uh, but it's a very cool documentary so we're going to talk about that but here's why i wanted to i wanted to bring something to your attention you know when i tell you the wink what you need to know uh it's things that i'm seeing uh things that i'm seeing that i'm hoping to be uh giving you some insight into so you can see how it develops um not not always seeing down the field but often uh often seeing down the field so uh, you know, one of the things that we're watching with Donald Trump's candidacy for president um, is he's rolling out these videos. He was not getting much coverage from the press. So he was rolling out these videos on topics like education. And if you noticed, I don't know if you did, but there was education in the education portion. He actually uh, floated an idea to elect popularly your um, your uh, uh, principal. Uh, or maybe maybe it was a superintendent. But the idea that it wouldn't even be a school board you had to vote for, you could vote for the person in charge of the school. Now, that's a new uh, idea. I'm not sure it's very uh, uh, well um, uh, utilized. I'm, I'm, excuse me, I don't think it's utilized at all. So I don't know if it's well thought out or what, but it makes you think. It makes you think. Another example of that is Donald Trump's uh, proposal to have a contest and he did it. He said he was going to do it as a, as a sort of a, a reality TV show, which, of course, when he does something about reality TV, he knows what he's talking about. He had 14 or 10 or 14 years, 10, 11, 12, 14 years, 
Is that right? Maybe that's too many. He was number one in uh, reality TV. I often tell the story that Donald Trump, uh, when I met Jeff Zucker, who was running CNN at the time, Zucker had uh, originally hired Donald Trump when Zucker was running NBC to be The Apprentice. And because that show was actually originated in uh, in London, in in, in uh, uh, England. And so um, Zucker bought the rights or, or NBC bought the rights and they hired uh, Donald Trump to be the apprentice. And Zucker said that Donald Trump was an absolute maniac, an animal about getting to be number one. He wanted everything to be right. They wanted to succeed. And they said he was driven by that. And Zucker was sort of Zucker didn't like Trump by that point. So he was sort of disparaging. But it sounded to me like somebody who's driven to be number one. He knows what he's doing. So when Donald Trump floated the idea of a, a reality TV, show in order to decide how and where and what to make new cities it got a ton of attention because of the idea of a reality tv show and trump's background but that idea is really sort of again unique thoughtful um if you think about what a new city could be like you could lay it out completely different than everything we've ever seen it's hard to retrofit a a, a big urban city into anything other than some version of itself, right? You can gentrify some buildings. You can uh, change the flow of traffic. Uh, you can get pedestrian traffic. But generally, you're in the 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 uh, the form is of a big urban city, and you just change the edges uh, or change the the way it looks or how it fits together. So the idea of a totally new city, again, very thought provoking. It brings me to this. The front page of Politico, I love it when I watch. I tell you, Politico is really helpful to be able to have a sense of what exactly they're doing and what they're seeing and what they're worried about. So they're writing in Politico about the idea that Donald Trump has proposed, which was, again, thought uh, thought provoking. And that was we should bomb the cartels. We should bomb Mexico and the cartels over the fentanyl trade. In other words, the fentanyl is killing our people, literally killing them. You take a hit of fentanyl and you don't expect it, you die. I mean, if you get Narcan, Narcan, you can quickly, you can be saved, but it kills a lot of people. Probably close to a hundred thousand people a year are dying from the hits, from the hits of fentanyl. And it's coming through our border managed by the cartel. Now, the, 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 uh, the ingredients are put together by the, uh, the Chinese, right? The, the ingredients we know are produced by the Chinese. That's a different fight, which I think Trump is willing to have. But as to who's bringing it into the country, it's the cartels. And so Trump's idea was to declare war on the cartels and to bomb them militarily. Well, of course, this is thought provoking as a lot of his stuff is. And the, and Politico is writing it up as it's a terrible, terrible thing. It's way too far. Hold on. When I got ready for this interview with the Gotham documentary, which is a couple days from now, they spent in the 80s a bunch of time when the crack a- epidemic hit the New York City, hit New York City, hit New York City's population. It, it was disproportionately de- devastating African-American communities. And so uh, Mayor, I'm not, I'm not sure why that matters, except Mayor Koch, when Mayor Koch was addressing this in that period, he big Democrat, he said we should have the death penalty for drug dealers and we should use it. And he went on a little riff. And my point is only that at that time, that would have been v- fairly controversial for a Democrat mayor and a Democrat to be so. And, on, on, you know, usually the death penalty is if someone kills someone, they get the death penalty. Um, you know, that's the tradition. That's the traditional role. Murder would get you a, a chance of the death penalty. In this case, Koch was saying drug dealing should be enough. And Trump is saying fentanyl through the borders should be enough. 
it's kind of again thought provoking, but in a tradition, when things get serious enough that you're losing lives, then you should be willing to consider it. And what you need to know is there are a bunch of things happening, a bunch of aspects of American life that we are so frustrated with and concerned about and worried that they're going the wrong direction that you're seeing people who otherwise would not have necessarily sort of gone so far, if that's the right phrase, in order to look at some of these problems and look at and come up with edgy solutions. You know, the, the, another one that I, I, I'm, I'm always surprised by is that for years, 25 years, certainly since the ni- early 90s, the conventional wisdom that tariffs, the conventional wisdom was that tariffs would devastate the economy. Tariffs would devastate the economy. Donald Trump's tariffs on China it didn't devastate the economy at all. In fact, Trump's point is it raised a bunch of money because you ch- charge them a tariff. You get that money into our our coffers. But it didn't change. I mean, you can say, and, and I know the purists will come back and say, well, a tariff just gets passed on to the consumer. I understand. I understand that theory. But at least in terms of showing that you understand who's cheating and who's not playing by the rules, pretty effective. So it's uh, but what you need to know is back to this. Politico's worried about this. Politico's worried about the fact that Republicans have embraced Trump's idea. So it was Trump's idea to bomb the cartels over fentanyl. And what you need to know is it's getting enough traction that it's causing it's causing the uh, Politico and others to object to it and to pay attention to it. And that's part of what I, I got to tell you, that's one of the reasons why, as things are uh, 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 heading in the wrong direction in too many ways, you are seeing a real hunger for solutions that are not coming from the usual uh, uh, suspects and, and from the usual categories. And so that's an example. That's a great example there. You know, I, in fact, I tried out the um, build your own cities, new cities idea, Trump's idea on um a friend of mine who's not really into Trump, but not really into politics. He loved the idea. He thought that was a great idea. He thought that was exactly the idea that, that could be really great. And you, you pick a place where you're going to have a new city and you go in there with a, a new set of rules and you figure out the regulatory rules. Oh, here's another example. Another example. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes again. What you need to know is when you think creatively, uh, if you're green, if you're worried about carbon in the air, if you're worried about pollution, the path forward is nuclear. And that was not something that was being talked about or understood, I don't know, five years ago, maybe maybe four, four or five years ago. That was during the Trump administration when he obviously was willing to drill, baby, drill and to permit everything under the sun and get out of the way of, uh, of the big uh, oil companies and everybody else because we wanted to get energy independent and it worked. But the uh, the reality is that nuclear is not and by the way let me be clear if you're a, if you're a um if you're an oil company you don't like nuclear right you want you want everybody to stay on oil and gas so it's not exactly uh, uh currying favor with all the supposed interests but it's the path forward anybody serious knows it and guys like Brandon Weikert, who's been on the show before um and has written on China especially and on space and Weikert would tell you if you don't get the nuclear figured out so you can dominate in space, the Chinese are going to. The Chinese are going to be there and dominate in space. They get they are making no qualms about it. So what you need to know is thinking outside the normal categories at this moment in history, very valuable. And 
It's one of the things that Trump does. It's one of the things that the things that uh, Trump does well. All right. So we're going to I will get to that Gotham uh, documentary, I think, in a couple of days. Uh, I'm, I'm about halfway through. It's two hours. It's a little bit too long, to be honest. Uh, it's hard to watch two hour documentaries, but it's pretty good. Um, a lot of Manhattan Institute folks who are really impressive uh, are a part of that being interviewed um and I will get to that. But interesting to see uh, uh, Mayor Cuomo calling for the death penalty for drug dealers, uh, just like Trump is calling for the death penalty or bombing uh, of the cartels over fentanyl. Uh, seems some things old uh, become new again. And that's what you need to know. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Been a few months since our friend Ronald Kessler was on. The author, uh, investigative journalist is his, uh, uh, I guess, original background, but now he's written dozens of books and a couple of the interesting ones or important ones focused on how uh, Secret Service works, how uh, the White House works, uh, all sorts of things. And he's got great uh, perspective. We're just talking off the air. Uh, He wrote one on uh, Palm Beach, Florida by chance before it became famous for uh, uh, where Donald Trump uh, winters. Uh, he wrote about the social set down there. And uh, he has a piece that's out. And by the way, it's RonaldKessler.com, RonaldKessler.com to see all of his uh, stuff. Uh, he's got a piece that's out, and the uh, title is Blame Legalized Marijuana for Increased Mass Shooting. So welcome, Ronald Kessler. How are you, sir? Hey, good to be with you, Ed. So this is over on Newsmax, by the way, and I, I'll post up the link there. Um, uh, Ronald, uh, you know, I was on a, um, a talk show and they were talking about um, how uh, one of the, uh, the recent shooter was, you know, troubled. Someone said they're troubled and all. And I said, OK, I, I don't mind if you're going to talk about their troubled mental health. Um, but let's be fair. Let's look at um, some of the shooters in the last few years. Um, and and the, not this time. The ones I'm talking about are younger men, young men. Um, and the one of the common denominators is almost always. Uh, marijuana use, heavy marijuana use. Uh, and people don't even want to talk about it somehow. It's sort of, we're supposed to not talk about it. First of all, you've been at this, um, as a journalist for 50 years. Uh, yeah, it, it's I've written it, three it, books on the FBI, which is relevant to this. Yeah. And so it's changed so dramatically and the understanding we have of what is good for us and what's not, right? Yeah. On the one hand, Democrats push for more gun control when none of the proposals would have stopped any of the mass shooters. Uh, And then on the other hand, what has changed and what accounts for a lot of this increase in mass shootings is that the uh, potency of marijuana has gone up dramatically and the prevalence of marijuana has gone up tremendously thanks to Democrats. Uh, Now we have Half of the states uh, legalizing marijuana because of Democrats. Uh, Politico said uh, pushing uh, legalizing marijuana is a litmus test for for presidential candidates among Democrats. Um, And as you say, many of the mass shootings uh, go back to to marijuana. But in many other cases, uh, there's no real testing to find out what uh, the role of marijuana was. Uh, autopsies often uh, don't look for marijuana or uh, the results are unreliable. But, uh, you know, I can name a number of the mass shootings that have been linked to marijuana. You know, the other way to find out if marijuana was involved is to interview uh, uh, family members and friends to find out if the individual was on marijuana. 
but of course, journalists are not especially eager to do that. Half of them are on marijuana themselves. Right. So you really get a very hazy picture of, of the role. Uh, but the fact is that in the past 10 years, the potency of marijuana, which goes back to THC, a compound that that uh, causes uh, hallucin uh, this hallucinogenic uh, effect, has gone from 4% on average to 17%. And a Secret Service uh, study found that uh, nearly half of the perpetrators of mass shootings had a history of substance abuse, mainly marijuana. Mm. Uh, and then uh, uh, studies have, have found that uh, uh, among people who, um, just in general, right. uh, people have five times greater chance of uh, having psychotic disorders if they smoke marijuana. Mm. So it's an open shut case. And, and, you know, on the one hand, the Democrats have have been responsible for for the prevalence of marijuana not only are uh, half of the states legalizing marijuana but the other half uh allow it for medical reasons or uh have no real penalties uh and then on the other hand the democrats uh you know love uh uh love marijuana and uh you know keep keep railing about guns when when in fact that would have no effect on on uh, shootings. We're talking again. We're talking with Ronald Kessler, the uh, uh, investigative journalist and author. And uh, and as he mentioned, and I'll get to this one. I want to ask you about the book, The Secrets of the FBI, in a moment. But uh, uh, that that's uh, towards the end of our conversation because I want to stick with this. What I, I, the, the marijuana prevalence? I mean, you know, and there's money to be made, right? Follow the money is always a pretty good filter. Follow the money is lots of money being made. Legalizing marijuana first medicinally and then generally has been a boon uh, both of tax dollars, but lots of people making lots of money. Um, uh, but having said that, um, th there feels like in this country, and this is where it overlaps with the FBI and your experience of uh, of the bureaucracies in the in law enforcement. Um, you know, we used to sort of say we're going to keep ourselves under control by the use of our laws. Now we sort of uh, use our laws just to express preferences, either pick winners and losers in the economy or the preferences. And it's not we're not keeping it under control. I mean, uh, you see what I'm saying, Ron, Ronald? Yeah, and you know, and guess why Democrats love to push marijuana because they get votes that way. You know, that's a way to increase their power because uh, you know younger voters uh, tend to uh, smoke marijuana, and uh, so they love the Democrats. It's um, it is uh, amazing in your piece again, uh, Ronald Kessler's piece. Uh, it talks about uh, the number of states. You know, the, the uh, uh, eighteen states and DC have legalized all all forms recreational use of marijuana. I mean, it's so medicinally uh, common. It's you know, it's not even stopping you from uh, trying to travel with it. And and uh, you know, the, but places like uh, Colorado, uh, which was an earlier uh, early uh, adopter, I guess it's it's just a mess. Um, uh, Ronald, where does it go? It, 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 you've again, you've watched in 50 years, some things ebb and some things flow in terms of uh, policy preference. It doesn't feel like this one can ever, you know, sort of flow back. It's kind of flowing one direction faster and picking up speed. Yeah, I'm afraid there's there's no uh, no hope, you know, like so many things that are going on with the woke, woke society. Uh, uh, you know, we're just going downhill and, and I don't see any any change in the offing. Hmm. Um, but, you know, in terms of, of 
uh, mass shootings that have been linked to marijuana. Just a few. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooter who killed right. 15 people. Yep. Right, right. Uh, and a number of others. Uh, it, it's very sad. Uh, Ronald Kessler is our guest uh, on Twitter. You can follow him at Ronald Kessler and his uh, website, which I'll put up on social media. Uh, you can go there. It's RonaldKessler.com. All right. I do want to get to this book. It's you, you wrote this ahead of your time. In fact, one of the blurbs on your website, I think, was at Slate.com saying uh, Ronald Kessler is right uh, ahead of most people. Uh, the Secrets of the FBI. You wrote that about a decade ago, a little more than a decade ago, uh, looking at, at the FBI, um, expressing some uh, uh, concern then and some uh recognizing some problems it now ronald um i mean i've been using the phrase distrust and verify because trust and verify the old reaganism i you know and i mean a distrust and verify as to our own institutions i mean the fbi is is a shell of what it was right no i would say that under james coney it it was uh very corrupt at the top levels no question uh but i think since ray took over uh, back. There not been any actual uh instances of improper conduct uh you know uh the attorney general did push them to to threaten uh school boards but that was not the actually a lot of FBI people dis, disagreed disagreed with that. That was that was the Attorney General. But beyond that, um, really, they've been doing their 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 work. And and thank God because uh, the reason we're safe today is is we're not is that the FBI is on the job. I mean, they, they constantly roll up terrorist plots, uh, and uh, you know a lot of times you don't hear about it. But yeah. that's my take on the FBI now. Well, that's good. That's why I asked you. Um, they, do you have a over your career? Did you uh, have a sense? It's not getting much coverage, mainstream coverage. The the border, what what people call the border crisis. The have you tracked that as an issue? I mean, it's another area where it doesn't feel like we have government working right. Well, absolutely. I, you know, that's that's so obvious. I I like to <laughs> you know, write about things that people don't know about, right? And, and secrets and 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 that's so obvious. Uh, I, you know, I don't I don't write about it. Yeah. How about uh, how about one last line? Where again, we're talking with uh, the Ronald Kessler. His website's RonaldKessler.com. Lots of his writings there, both his books is, uh, and also his many essays. Uh, you've observed up close, known, known very personally, uh, members of of I don't know three, four, maybe five uh, White House uh, administrations. The Biden administration, you have written a little bit about the, the uh, uh, Joe Biden, but do you have any uh, uh, anything uh, to your point? Anything that is not being written about uh, observations that about with the Biden White House and what's going on. I mean, at this point, uh, Ronald, did, did, does he run again, even in the state he's in? No, I don't think so. You know, I interviewed Secret Service agents who were on his detail when he was vice president, and they just said he's lazy. You know, he he liked to play golf and he liked to swim nude in front of female Secret Service agents. Uh, but you know, he, he's, uh, and that's why he goes to Wilmington every weekend. He, he really doesn't like the job that much. So I don't think he's going to run again. Huh. Okay. Well, see, that's why, that's why Ronald Kessler is a perspective. Hey, thanks very much. Ronald Kessler again over at Newsmax. He's got this piece on marijuana. I do think you, you described yourself well, writing about things that other people aren't talking about and that are important. And this is an important one. So thanks. Thank you for your time, Ronald Kessler. And we'll talk again soon. All right. Always appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Yep. We'll take a break, everybody. And I'll put that up. It's a great essay uh, on uh, marijuana and what's happening. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is 
the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest, I have to say, Alan Gaff, uh, his uh, publicist and I were playing tag to finally get this set up. I'm really grateful. Um, He has uh, written a book uh, that I wanted to talk about when it was sent to me. I said, man, I got to get that one. And as my listeners know, uh, Mr. Gaff, that I get um, people send me books so I can read them. It's a it's a great uh, it's a great thing to have the (laughs) the chance to do that. And he uh, Alan Gaff is the author of a book that got a ton of attention, Bayonets in the Wilderness. Wilderness, and uh, that got attention. And now on to General Arthur St. Clair's 1791 defeat of the Native Americans. It's called Field of Corpses and uh, Arthur St. Clair and the Death of the American Army. Now, I have to tell you, first of all, Mr. Gaff, my email address includes Ed Martin 1791, my private email address, which the 1791 is because that was the year that the last of the Bill of Rights was uh, was finally uh, approved by the state. So now I have another reason. Uh, so welcome to the program. How are you? sir oh i'm fine looking forward to this thanks ed yeah so um first of all field of corpses um tell us about the title uh you know that's my my old boss the late phyllis schlafly says half of a book is the title this is a great title field of corpses i immediately was like what i need to check that out tell us about how you came up with the title what the title means in the context of this well thank you very much well in the in the course of the campaign and battle of 1791 by general arthur st Clair the Indians scored their biggest victory ever against the American army in the course of three hours in a field that was approximately three and a half football fields in length. uh, The American army lost 50% of its men. The, uh, the army itself consisted of about 1800 officers and enlisted men, about 200 civilians attached in one way or another to the army and one monkey. Hmm. <laughs> uh, um, the, in the book you refer to that, that you call it uh, the traditional name is St. Clair's defeat, which obviously describing this massive loss, we don't know anything about it. We know about Custer. You know, we know, we know about some defeats. They come across I, I, popularly in, in our study of history. It's um, it's not uh, not taught or not well known, I guess, for obvious reasons, because nobody wants to talk about a defeat. Is that right? <laughs> that, that's part of it. Uh, I think the big problem with American history is it skips from the revolution to the War of 1812 and basically just ignores everything that happens in between those two periods. So this happens to fall in that unknown period that, you know, teachers don't teach, students don't learn. And it's just a a big part of America that no one knows about. Would you describe that period? So, so now put a number on that. What, what would the time period up to 1812? Is it a, a 30 year period? And is it a period of, uh, of regular, uh, battles, uh, regular, um, uh, loss of life? What, what is the, what is that? What are those decades like? Well, th- the biggest problem is the, uh, the new America wanted to settle in what it would be the the Northwest Territory. Mm -hmm. But the problem was, uh, even though America and Britain had signed a peace treaty, nobody had bothered to tell the Indians that uh, Britain had given away uh, their their lands. So it was a problem of America intruding on what had been traditionally Native American soil forever 
And the Indians did not appreciate that and fought back. And since it was their basically home turf, uh, they had the advantage over the Americans who had to learn how to fight a wilderness fight as opposed to the European fights that they had had during the revolution. Um, so, and now St. Clair, St. Clair is, um, tell us more about his career and was, was he ruined? Uh, well, was his reputation, what, what, what was his career? Was he a heroic figure before this? And obviously this was a great failure. Um, or was he unknown? What was it? Tell us about St. Clair. Well, President Washington selected St. Clair to lead this army because he had been a general in the revolution, had not performed well. Maybe uh, the best you could say was he was an average general. But at the same time, he had been appointed governor of the Northwest Territory. So Washington assumed, since he had this military background and had been basically the civilian overseer of the Northwest Territory, those two, that combination of those two jobs would make him the ideal candidate to lead the army. And um, so he wasn't really, he you wouldn't describe him as a, um, as a particularly successful uh, general. I mean, he ended up in this spot. He lived for another, he lived into the 18, well, 18, uh, I looked it up last night. 1818. He lived. So he lived past this. Was he um, was he a um, uh, was he shamed? Was he, uh, you know, uh, considered a great failure or did people sort of not even realize during the time? Well, he was such a failure that one of the things that resulted as a result of his campaign and loss of the battle was the first congressional investigation. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Uh, and. In, in typical fashion, uh, it set the standard for future congressional investigations because uh, n- nothing ever came of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The uh, I- meaning they did get they 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 got to understand it, but it didn't didn't. Uh, I mean, or didn't even uh, did they do nothing? I mean, what was the what was the uh, when you say that it didn't lead to anything? What 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 do you mean? I, I think it was more of a political. I see. Uh, decision sure. in in philadelphia at that time um mm-hmm. more than uh well the the opinion of the country was totally against saint Clair. his army had consisted of soldiers from virtually all of the original 13 states so it was a national army that paid the price mm-hmm. um the total loss of of the army according to the official uh, statistics was 50.8% of those that were effective in the battle. Oh, so wow. wow. It was, and, and like I say, it was in the, in the space of just like a little over three football fields long where almost all of those casualties uh, took place. And that's why I uh, named it field of corpses. When you um, finish this research, and the, and the book is uh, over four hundred pages, I mean, it's uh, it, when you finish, you know, the, the the level of detail on this, it, it, you know, when you talk about it now, um, what is your what is the lessons to, to be learned? I mean, was the lessons uh, the under underestimating the enemy? Was lessons the incompetence of leadership? I mean, I think all of those are in there. But when you you know you you would be someone who lived with these facts for years to put this together. What what's your takeaways about uh, this? that people could learn. Well, the the thing that I think they learned at the time was that 
St. Clair led the most incompetent campaign in American history. Mm-hmm. He had, uh, well, to put it in the, in the best perspective, his successor, Anthony Wayne, spent two years raising an army, training an army, supplying an army, clothing an army, training an army, teaching his soldiers how to fire their muskets before he even came to the Northwest Territory and conducted his campaign that ended successfully at the Battle of Fallen Timbers. So it was like St. Clair did everything wrong. Anthony Wayne learned from his experience and did everything right when he got his chance. Uh, again, we're talking with uh, Alan Gaff and uh, his uh, book, which is uh, Field of Corpses, Arthur St. Clair and the Death of the American Army. Um, is uh, when you how'd you get how, back to this point? How'd you get to how did you get this story as how did you get this uh, history as something you wanted to write on? Did you see this again? I have never heard of it. I mean, I know you're you're a historian or and you do a lot of different writing and, and work on this. But how'd you find this one? Well, uh, as you mentioned before, uh, I also wrote Bannets in the Wilderness, which was a book on Anthony Wayne's campaign. I, I did that because Fort Wayne, where I live, was hmm. named for, for Anthony Wayne. I see. So this is sort of like a precursor to the book that I read pre- uh, that I wrote previously. Um, what? So what's the next book? Have you? Is there, is there another set of events around the around those uh, uh, bookends that's coming next? Uh, no, but I do have a manuscript finished on. Robert Rogers and his Rangers in the French and Indian War. Ah, wow. Wow. And I'm going to tell, for for the first time in over 250 years, I'm going to tell the real truth about Robert Rogers. Oh, okay. Well, uh, listen, Alan Gaff, thank you for taking the time and and thank you for the chance to read this. Field of Corpses, uh, Arthur St. Clair and the Death of the American Army. Extraordinary, as you mentioned, uh, 1791, uh, the the defeat of uh, General uh, St. Clair and his army in just a few hours. It's really uh, fascinating and I appreciate you taking the time to do it and writing this history and then coming on. Thank you, sir. Oh, thanks, Ed. It's been great. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. I'll put up on social media links to this uh, and to his uh, both uh, uh, Mr. Gaff's uh, this work and also his previous ones. We'll do all that. Uh, it's very, very interesting. It, it, it really helpful to have these uh, histories being written. I'm glad and, and appreciate the fact that they're uh, published. I give a, a lot of credit to our friends over at uh, Post Hill Press and, and then their other affiliated uh, imprints that do this. It's an important work. So um, I, I want to say thank you to them for that. All right. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America report back in a moment this is the pro america report on the answer san diego this is the phyllis schlafly report a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of phyllis schlafly now the president of phyllis schlafly eagles ed martin dueling political conferences were featured over one weekend recently One of these conferences was flush with cash from globalists and was timed to distract from Donald Trump's major speech. It was wishful thinking by the never Trumpers, as instead Trump retook control of the GOP. Donald Trump's nearly two hour speech at CPAC, which for many years has been the largest annual grassroots conservative gathering, was astounding for its vigor and enthusiasm. He called for an end of the unsuccessful influence on the Republican Party by the Bush family, Karl Rove and Paul Ryan, who drove the party into the ground until Donald Trump rejuvenated it. Trump boldly declared that this is the final battle 
And the crowd gathered for him in Maryland, just outside of D.C., and not Republican territory, roared with approval. Trump then rattled off an array of hot-button issues that formed the political agenda for ordinary Americans through this presidential election next year. The contrast between Trump and the worn-out ideas of his media-pandering rivals could not be clearer. The hedge fund bosses and phony free traders who assembled at a posh hotel in Palm Beach called the Breakers, they're not the crowd who will be picking the next president or electing candidates down ballot. And it was a grave mistake for Trump's rivals for the presidency to see that as the path to the White House. Ironically, it was Donald Trump who gave much of the prominence to the candidates who are now seeking to replace him as the Republican nominee for president. Their lack of gratitude to him is reason enough to prefer Trump over the others. Nikki Haley was appointed ambassador to the United Nations by Trump, and she was heckled by conservatives at CPAC after turning against him. Donald Trump is effective both as king and kingmaker because grassroots conservatives trust him to keep his promises. The future of the conservative movement is with those that embrace the principles that Trump stands for on national security, law and order, immigration, and the sanctity of life. Those that stand on the sidelines of the movement and heckle are ineffectual and they're weak and they won't lead us to victory, not now and not ever. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The lines have been drawn, those who support law and order and those who don't. Of course, criminals who burn cities and loot businesses want to defund the police. PhyllisSchlafly.com chronicles a plan to keep the streets of America safe. Go to PhyllisSchlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back, Ed Martin, here on a Pro-America Report. And, um... I have to say, uh, the news that's out over the weekend, you might have seen it. I might have seen it. Might have seen some coverage of it. It wasn't much. Um, but it is this. Uh, during the two and a half days last week when Donald Trump was the center of the news, when he gave a speech at Mar-a-Lago, 6.6 million people watched it. All the networks covered it. Maybe they, I don't know if they covered all of it, but they covered much of it, which is the first time they've been covering him, of course. Uh, and then the coverage of, of every aspect, uh, the motorcade and all. Here's what you know. Here's what we now know. The uh, Trump phenomenon is more popular than ever. Uh, All the cable news outlets, all the um, uh, entities that have ratings that you can look at in a few days report that they had um, a huge bump in viewers because of Trump. Okay, so here we are yet again, and we're back to a follow the money, follow the money uh, filter. And follow the money filter says if everybody is getting eyeballs to watch TV when Trump's on, you know what you're going to see more of Trump on Fox News is going to cover him. CNN is going to cover him. Now, they may be covering him uh, in circles uh, with fits of uh, laughter and, and trying to uh, make him look bad. But that's always what he's counted on. The problem for them is Trump knows how to turn their negative energy into uh, positive energy, or at least neutralize the negative and turn the energy into energy that can be utilized. For example, over the weekend, Saturday Night Live did a full two minute video of people who want a special app that's called, uh, what was it? CN, uh, Zen or something. And it was all, uh, aimed at uh, Trump haters 
who wanted to be able to uh, uh, relive and, and go to a Zen place with CNN's coverage of the indictment of Trump. And it was funny as can be. It was actually legit funny. And it was all about that. And the point here is it's, you know, real good humor is always kind of half true. It, well, I'll say it better. There's always a kernel of truth in good humor that may so something you're saying out loud. Dave Chappelle does this a lot, saying something out loud that you're not supposed to say out loud. And people are like, whoa, can you say that? And then he gets away with it. Right. Or he makes it funny or, uh, you know, all, all different kinds of Gaffigan is like that with his uh, food stuff and all. Well, the point here is Trump got CNN and, and he the CNN skit, the CNN video, two minutes plus made the people that love to hate Trump look weird. And Trump's at the center of it. Trump is at the center of it. Trump uh, people, Maggie Haberman was spoofed in there, are at the center of it. I mean, again, you're turning energy. You're turning what they think is negative energy into energy. And the point here is when the eyeballs come. On social media, you see it on cable news now. I'm sure it's true of uh, newspapers and their coverage, although that's clicks. I guess it's online. When all these uh, are coming because of Trump, you can guarantee that Trump is going to be on more. And I actually think it sort of guarantees that Trump will be the nominee because the media has to have him. They've been dying for a couple of years now. They've just been floundering. They can't make any money. Anyway, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. And uh, and the more Trump's on, the more he makes points, as I mentioned earlier about, for example, uh, bombing the cartels because they're bringing fentanyl, stuff that makes you think, uh, oh, maybe. So, all right, we got to run. Thank you, Noah Dingley, our producer, Ryan Hyde, associate producer. Thank you for listening. Be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you later. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.